Thank you for remaining standing as we read our text for the sermon this morning, which comes from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Turn with me in your copy of the Word, if you will, and follow along. Hear now the Word of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved." And shall not go in and out, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Our gracious and merciful Father in heaven, with grateful hearts we come now to your word, asking you to grant your Holy Spirit in full measure this morning to illumine the preaching and the hearing of your word. Help us as we examine the text before us to see Jesus more clearly, to love him more dearly, and to trust upon him more completely. This we pray in hope and confidence in his finished work and in his glorious name. Amen. You may be seated. As we have just read... And as is noted in your liturgy, the text is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And as we continue our study of the I Am's of Jesus, which are found only in John's Gospel, today we will consider the statement, I am the door of the sheep. Or there may be some translations that, that capture, I am the gate of the sheep. But the idea is the same. This is the first part of the Good Shepherd narrative found in chapter 10 and goes through most of chapter 10 in John's Gospel, but we will limit ourselves this morning to the first 10 verses, and then next week consider the next I Am statement, which begins at verse 11, which is, I am the Good Shepherd. So we have two I Am statements, which, though distinct, never need to be separated, but we will try very hard this morning to focus on Jesus as the door of the sheep. When we study any text in Scripture, it is always good to make sure that we have a handle on the context of the passage in view. Dr. D.A. Carson, Professor Emeritus of New Testament at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and President and Founder of the Gospel Coalition, is often associated with the statement, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text, which he in turn attributes to his father. 
That is to say, when we fail to consider the context of a given passage of of Scripture, we run the risk of exegeting the text in accordance with our own bias or agenda, and we certainly don't want to do that. The first bit of context we need to understand is that chapter 10 opens as a continuation of what was just recorded for us in chapter 9. From this, we will see that our text today is a direct response to the Pharisees. The second context we need to be aware of is the existing prophetic knowledge that the Jews, and especially the Pharisees, would bring to the hearing of Jesus' words as he uses the shepherd illustration. As we work through this passage, verse by verse, we will explore these contexts as appropriate. And so now let us turn our attention to chapter 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. We see right away that Jesus is teaching a weighty truth using a shepherd illustration with which all present would be familiar Verily, verily, or literally, amen, amen, he begins, so often as he does, so that we know what follows is beyond a shadow of a doubt, true. Whoever enters the sheepfold by some other way than by the door, climbing over the wall, for instance, that person is a thief and a robber. We, of course, are expected to understand the illustration, and so we need to know that a sheepfold was the overnight holding place where the sheep were gathered and kept safe from predators and even those who might steal the sheep. After leading their flocks through the pastures by day, the shepherds would lead them into a sheepfold at night for safety. By gathering all the sheep together this way, fewer shepherds were required to stay up all night keeping watch. It was common for these sheepfolds to be constructed of stone walls with thorny briars along the top of the walls to deter would-be predators, kind of like how we would use razor wire these days on top of a fence row. So clearly, anyone who avoided going through the door by permission of the shepherd on night watch was up to no good. He was a thief or a robber. And now verse 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the honest man, the man who cares for the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep would naturally enter by the door. There would be no need to climb the stone wall and to push through the thorns. He would be there to check up on the sheep, to care for them, to make sure all were safe and accounted for. Jesus here sets up a dichotomy in the illustration. There are two types of people in view who both have an interest in the sheep. One is a thief, and the other is a shepherd. The thief wants to use the sheep for personal gain, and the shepherd is there to care for the sheep and has a vested interest in their long-term health and well-being. Now verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Picture here, if you will, the shepherd arriving early in the morning 
after the sheep have been safely kept overnight in the sheepfold. The doorkeeper, the porter, greets him and lets him into the holding pen. There are several different flocks there gathered together. They're clustered all together, but there are several flocks mixed in with one another. But the shepherd arrives, and when he arrives, he calls to them, and his sheep, his flock, recognize them. He calls them by name. Since he spends all day with them, he knows their personalities and which ones are hurt or struggling. He knows which ones are dominant and tend to push the others in the flock around. He knows which ones are timid and need a bit of extra time at the watering hole. He knows his sheep, and he is there to lead them out to pasture. Verse 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. As the shepherd leads his sheep out the sheep gate and into the pasture, he calls to the sheep, and they respond by following his call. They know his voice. The other sheep in the sheepfold stay, in, stay put, and they don't respond. It's not their shepherd's voice calling, which is what we see in verse 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Not only will the sheep not follow, they will even flee and head the other way if a stranger or another shepherd or a thief were to try to lead them out. And as I was looking through this, I think Marion shared with us one afternoon that, that uh, video illustration of the, of the two shepherds with the flocks coming together, right, and meeting on the road and just passing through one another and not getting mixed up in the sheep following the shepherd. What a beautiful illustration of how the sheep follow the shepherd. And now to verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And just a quick note here on the word translated parable in the King James. This is not a huge deal, but strictly speaking, this is not a parable, but an illustration or a metaphor. And the underlying Greek word in the text is not the same word that we find in every other place for parable. That's why if you're following along in another translation, you may see illustration or or figure of speech or allegory instead of parable. But you get the point. So Jesus gives them the shepherd illustration with the sheepfold and the doorkeeper and the thief contrasted with the shepherd whose voice the sheep know and those listening to Jesus don't understand. They're not tracking with him. So now Jesus will break it down for them and let them know who the metaphorical players in the illustration are. And so let's turn to verses 7 and 8. Then Jesus said unto them, said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Next week, we'll have opportunity to explore Jesus as the good shepherd, but we also need to understand him as the door of the sheep. What does this mean? And why is it juxtaposed with thieves and robbers whom the sheep don't hear? I think at this point, it would be good to bring into view the totality of Ezekiel 34, from which we read a part just a few minutes ago. 
And it'll help us to understand who are the thieves and the robbers. Ezekiel calls into account the leaders of Israel who have brought sin and ruin to the nation by neglecting their duties and taking advantage of God's people. So reading now from Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. This is a description of the thieves and robbers. The thieves and robbers, in Jesus' illustration, are the shepherds of Israel. They are thieves because they feed themselves instead of the sheep. They harvest the wool, slaughter the fatlings, and fail to tend the sheep they were given charge over. They don't heal the sick and the wounded. They don't bind up the broken bones, but rather drive them away and rule over them with force and cruelty. As a result, the sheep are scattered everywhere, and these shepherds don't care enough to go searching for them, that they might be restored to the flock. Here is a stinging description of worthless evil, selfish shepherds. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, And my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. Nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hands. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep. And the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. And so now the word of the Lord comes in judgment. Because the shepherds have abandoned their duties, because they have become thieves and robbers, and allowed the sheep to become lost, and become prey to every beast of the field, the Lord our God is now judging the shepherds. He is stripping them of any further jurisdiction over the sheep. The sheep will no longer fall victim to the false shepherd that have led them astray. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. 
And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their foals shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. There is good news here. Where the appointed shepherds of God's people have failed, have become false shepherds, God Himself will be the shepherd. It is God that will save the lost sheep and lead them to lost pastures. It is God Himself who will give His sheep rest and heal the broken and sick sheep. Thanks be to God. But note, it is also God who will bring judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture? And to have drunk of clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder but at all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. God will judge the flock He will separate the goats from the sheep. He will also judge between fat and lean sheep, between strong and the weak. He will judge between sheep and sheep. Not all Israel is Israel. And he will place one shepherd over them, even his servant David. But wait. If you're tracking along the history line here, isn't, isn't Ezekiel's prophecy some 400 years after David? Yes, yes, Ezekiel is referring to Messiah. This is Christ. Jesus will feed the sheep and be their shepherd. He will be our shepherd. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season, and there shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the land devour them. But they shall dwell safely 
and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord, that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture, you are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. We see here a glimpse, an eschatological glimpse into God's promises. Depending on your eschatology, you'll place this at one place or another. But I think we would optimistically say that this has begun and is growing, and we look forward to this at Christ's return. The Lord always, always fulfills His promises And isn't it interesting that the Lord uses shepherds throughout Scripture? Abraham was a shepherd, as were Isaac and Jacob. Even Moses was a shepherd as he tended the flocks of Midian that belonged to his father-in-law Jethro. David was a shepherd. But the ultimate shepherd throughout Scripture is the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, Psalm 23. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord, Jeremiah 23. He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young, as we meditated upon from Isaiah 40. And on and on go the descriptions and illustrations using shepherds. And when you study shepherd imagery in Scripture, you will undoubtedly run across many commentaries and experts who will say something like this. Shepherding is one of the oldest occupations. Thus, it is not surprising that the care of a shepherd and his relationship with his flock was a common metaphor in the ancient Near East for the leadership of people especially kingship. And that's, that's true as far as it goes, but I suspect it goes much, much deeper. I suspect that sheep and their dependence upon and relationship with the shepherd were created so that they may serve as an apt metaphor and be woven deeply into the fabric of Scripture so that we might understand Jesus better. Now, turning our attention back to John chapter 10, and as we consider the context and setting for this passage, we need to take note, as I alluded to earlier, what has just taken place in chapter 9. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind that the works of God may be made manifest. The blind man goes to the pool of Siloam to wash away the the clay that Jesus had put on his eyes to anoint his eyes, and he comes away from the pool with his sight. Those who knew the formerly blind man ask who healed him, and he tells them it was a man called Jesus. Then the friends of the man who who were with him take him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees readily deduce that Jesus was not from God since he healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees cast the man who was blind out of the temple when he gets a little feisty with them and wonders if they too want to become 
disciples of Jesus since they're asking him so many questions. Jesus then finds out that the blind man, was, the man who was blind, was cast out of the temple by the Pharisees, and Jesus reveals himself to the man. The man who was blind then believes upon Jesus and worship him, worships him. And chapter 9 closes with, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. It is therefore to these Pharisees, whom Jesus just told that their sin remains, that he begins the Good Shepherd Discourse. These are Pharisees. They know the prophecy of Ezekiel regarding the false shepherds. They understand that Jesus is calling them false shepherds, thieves and robbers. And if you look ahead to verse 31 in chapter 10, they once again pick up stones to stone him. You see, Jesus never pulls any punches. He never exaggerates. He speaks the truth right down the middle, and it stings. Continuing with our text in John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus repeats here that he is the door. We are therefore to understand what he means. Verse 2 tells us that the shepherd enters by the door. He is allowed in and welcomed through the door. And this indicates rights and privilege. This indicates authority and ownership over the sheep. The guard, the porter, the gatekeeper, doesn't let anyone in by the door who does not have this right. He doesn't let anyone in but the true shepherd. This indicates that Jesus, as the door, fulfilled all messianic prophecy and that he is the true shepherd. This indicates that Jesus this indicates that um, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Note the words of the text that come, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Entering by way of the door that is Christ, the sheep are saved. This is surety. Only by entering in through Christ may any man be saved. Note too that the sheep are saved men. They shall go in and out and find pasture. Once we have entered in through the door that is Christ, we have entered into the freedom that is found only in Christ. And then he leads us out of the bondage of sin and into green pastures, into liberty and into blessing, out of feudal legalism and into true peace and true salvation. The door is Christ. The door is the passageway to salvation. Beyond that gate, we are protected and we are able to enjoy all of the benefits of his protection 
and His bounteous provision. There is no enemy who can destroy, and we have nothing to fear. We can roam free, free to love our true shepherd, free to love our neighbor, free to love God's law, free to obey Him with our whole hearts, free to seek His gracious forgiveness when we fall short, knowing that restoration is not only possible, but assured. We have access to the mercy seat of God through Christ, through the veil, through His flesh, for He is the door. And now, turning to our last verse in the passage, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is a particular point where context is so very important. Often these days, if you hear this verse quoted in a sermon, it will often be surmised that the thief here is Satan. But as we have already seen, the shepherd illustrations in chapter 10 are a continuation of the rebuke Jesus began in chapter 9. Jesus goes directly from condemning the Pharisees in John 9, 39, and 40 to a set of illustrations that contrast his own leadership with that of the Pharisees. Jesus already stated in verse 8 that all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. There is no hint that he has switched topics in verse 10. Within a single illustration, we expect the symbols to stay the same, so there is no reason to think that Jesus has started to talk about Satan. So the overall context, moving from chapter 9 to 10, and then down to the illustration in John 10, 7 through 10, makes it clear that the thief is a reference to the failed leaders of Israel, the false shepherds. There is another point to make here regarding the problematic identification of the thief as Satan. The thief is not used as a metaphor for Satan in the Old Testament or the New Testament or any other ancient Jewish literature. However, thief and bandit are used as metaphors for the leaders of Israel in the Old Testament. See Isaiah 1.23 or Jeremiah 2.26 and more. And this is in complete harmony with what we read in Ezekiel 34. Jesus, in contrast to the thief, has not come to steal, to kill, and destroy He has come that we might have life, and that abundantly, more abundantly. In summary, Jesus as the Messiah has come. The Savior has come. He came to the fold of Judaism and to the fold of the Gentile world. His sheep are already known to Him because the Father has identified them and given them a name and written it down before the foundation of the world. He knows who they are. He enters the door because he has full authority and right to do so. And out of the world, he selects his own and calls them by name. This is irresistible grace. This is the effectual call. This is a call unto life. This is regeneration. They follow. We follow. We follow because it is a supernatural work of God that draws us out of sin and death and out of darkness and blindness. 
The sheep follow. They follow because they know His voice. They go through Him because He alone is the door. There is no other way in. They come out, and then they roam. They roam the world and enjoy all the rich provision and protection that their true shepherd provides for them. This is salvation. And one day at the consummation, we will enjoy this at a level beyond our present comprehension when the earth is completely rejuvenated and restored. And we enjoy it, and we have a taste of it even today. The sad truth is that until that great day, false shepherds will continue to seek to destroy and prey upon the sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. When Moses was seeking his successor, who would eventually be Joshua in Numbers 27, we read, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in that are the congregation of the Lord, that they may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Sheep who have no shepherd are vulnerable. But how do we discern the false shepherds from the good shepherds? As Peter is exhorting the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And I think we can discern at least four characteristics here from Peter of false shepherds. One, false shepherds aren't shepherding a local flock. How can a shepherd know a sheep who he has never seen? How can a sheep know a shepherd's voice they have never really heard? Two, they are overseers under compulsion, that is, false shepherds. They shepherd and rule reluctantly rather than eagerly according to their calling. Three, they shepherd for dishonest gain. They are in the role of shepherd for the money, the recognition, or for the power it brings. And four, they shepherd by lording their authority over the sheep. They bind the sheep's consciences while exercising sinful liberty. They fail to be examples to the flock of God. Dear friends, beware the false shepherds, for they are many. They love to woo with enticing words that tickle your ear. They teach and lead with the world's wisdom or misapply the word of God so that it appeals to the flesh. How sad. Indeed, how treacherous. But thanks be to God, he has provided a way through the true door unto salvation, even his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our merciful and glorious Father in heaven, it is with thankful hearts that we consider the words of Christ, our Savior. We thank you that he alone is the door of the sheep and that you have called us to be the sheep of your pasture. And we thank you for giving us ears to hear your truth and to respond with joy. O Lord, we pray that as you have called us to be true sheep, that you would grant us victory in Christ and keep us safe from false shepherds. 
Keep us from injuring ourselves by our foolishness and lead us into this, to the safety of green pastures, which is the very word of God. Be at work in us spiritually that we may hear with discernment and joy the voice of our true shepherd who is Christ Jesus and in whose mighty name we now pray. Amen.